The last one's at the bar. Exclusively talks about the sport of boxing. All right, bet. So we're live um, for our Thursday chop it up session. This week, again, talking about the most important topics of the week is what we like to do on Thursday. My name is William Henry, and I'm accompanied by two topics of the week. Is what we like to do on Thursday. My name is William Henry, and I'm accompanied by two topics of the week. Is what we like to do on Thursday. My name is William Henry, and I'm accompanied by two topics of the week. Is what we like to do on Thursday. My name is Will Henry, and I'm a cousin of my sister. I don't know what that is, dude. It's Will Henry, and I'm a cousin of my sister. I don't know what that is, dude. It's Will Henry, and I'm a cousin of my sister. Yeah, man, they, they, they out there trying to sabotage us, man. I don't know. I think Danny had an echo. Oh, that was Danny? Okay. Uh-huh. Let me see. We can wait for him to get back in, but as we get prepared for our Chop It Up Thursday, this week we got Roly Romero. He's somebody that we're going to discuss. <laughs> Um, amongst other topics, and I think that that's where we'll begin. But we'll wait for Betty to get here. Before we get in, uh, Vail, how you been doing this week, my man? I'm cool, man. You know, uh, a lot going on, a lot of news in the, in the sport of boxing, you know. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't wait to chop it up today, you know. Yeah. Get it no, that's what's up. Yeah, you know, for me, it's it's been um, a pretty – a pretty busy week, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I always try to carve out a little time so we can go ahead and discuss these things. And it's been an interesting week, you know what I mean? So it was very difficult to kind of chop down at the topics to discuss. Um, before we get into this, uh, I mean, Danny, I see that you're back. How you doing, good brother? Man, I can't complain, dog. Uh, you know, it's Friday Eve, you know what I mean? It's been a long week, but I can't complain overall. I can't complain. Um, it's been a good week. It's just been, you know, busy and long. But, you know, we got Super Bowl coming up. We got a little bit of bo- little bit of boxing, a lot of news. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting some rest on the weekend for sure, though. Yeah, definitely, man. And, and you know, amongst having, a, a like, a real busy schedule, the crazy thing is you've been having so many things that's been jumping off, you know, like in the news, you know what I'm saying, or just in sports in general. You know, I had a hard time getting some sleep because my boy LeBron was cooking the other day, even though they don't want <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he ended up getting that record. So I was happy to see that. You know what I'm saying? You got any thoughts on that, you know, before we, we jump into these topics? Yeah, more power to him. I mean, it's a, it's a definitely an a achievement. Uh, you know, he put his stamp on his own greatness. Um, and and we, we watch a greatness, you know, pretty much in the flesh. And it's it's hard to to because I don't, I don't it's, it's almost like boxing. Sometimes you know you compare you know the the the, the present to the past. Man, I don't mean to cut you off, good brother. You need to stop doing that, man. Just let the man be great. You know, yeah, let him be great. You know, 
I mean, personally, I you know I was around in, in a lot of some era, era, so I'm like, okay, of course I have my preference, but I ain't gonna take away from his greatness because he did what he had to do, and he's one of the few that lived up to his, you know, what he was supposed to do before he came to the league. You know, he really lived up to that and really set that bar. So props mm-hmm. to him, and they never had any controversies. You know, say always stayed out of trouble as a as an athlete. So yeah, respect. Yeah, man. Uh, That's what I'm going to say. I think that, one, I don't think that we're going to see this record get broken again. Certainly not in our lifetimes. Just because of the way basketball is now culturally. But we're going to... We're going to miss him when he's gone, man. So, like, I, I think that, unfortunately, like, you know, you talked about comparing him to the past. And the past didn't have... The past was fortunate because they didn't have predecessors to compare to right but it's like the public has spent so much of his career comparing him and people just haven't been able to bask in what he's actually been able to do like the fact that he's in season 20 at age 38 cooking and cooking not only cooking but like on the verge of breaking a record people went to this game in particular because it was like 36 oh he got it this is gonna be the night and he did it that's like nuts bro yeah, I just and the last thing I'm gonna say about that because I know it's, it's Thursday. You know what I'm saying? We get to these topics. You know the the, the liver, and, and that was the first time that I saw like the Laker faithful kind of embrace him. You know what I'm saying? And want to see him, you know, kind of like in the same eyes as they were viewing like when Kobe in his last game when they were cheering him on and they were wanting to support him and things like that. They probably he probably would have got that had they played that um, championship and during the pandemic they played that in L.A. You know, I mean, probably would have got it back then. But it was just good to see. It just everything came full circle. He came out with the headband. You know what I'm saying? It's just how the approach that he took in order to do that, man. That was just unappreciative. It's gonna be interesting as far as the NBA though, because you got them trades, KD over there in Phoenix. You know what I'm saying? You got Kyrie over there in Dallas. You know what I'm saying? He got me wanting to move back to Dallas now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but we'll see, man. Let me go ahead and put up these these uh, topics that we're gonna discuss this week. Uh, on our chop it up Tuesday, let me help you fell asleep. Who was that? Uh, Vail, Vail, you got some? What you doing, man? You recycling something? Oh uh, no, that's not me. That man. was on me, my fault. I was drinking the oh, high quality too. I thought it I was on, on me, mute. man. Go play it on me, man. I thought <laughs> I was on mute. My bad. All right. Presentation mode. <laughs> you know they got these these cheap bottles now. You and you and a little bit of stress. You know that bottles, them bottles be in the blender. You feel me? The yeah, they got that uh, um, third world country uh, recycling. <laughs> man, where the can at, Danny? Man, you better get the, get that money that money water up, man. Hey, I ain't been to Whole Foods about two weeks, dog. I got to re up. I'm gonna re up over the weekend. <laughs> now, let's let's go ahead and get off into what we do, brothers. Uh, so we we got a lot of topics. As you see, these are some of the ones that we're gonna discuss. I'm not gonna give it away this week. You know, you can kind of gather. Like I said, we'll. Definitely begin with um, the good brother, Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis. We're going to start there because we got a snag, you know, in what's been going on in negotiations. And I want to get you fellas take on that. Um, And we can go through pretty rapidly. You know what I mean? We just want to go ahead, hit the main points of these seven different topics. And I threw in a question of the week. So with that being said, I'm going to skip past this. And as I get to the first topic, first topic, Ryan Garcia versus Tank Davis, um, they're saying that it's in jeopardy. It's because of a 
rematch clause. Um, you know, I think most people know that it's a unilateral rematch clause where if Tank Davis just so happened to lose the fight, then he's able to get a rematch, if you like, within 30 days. But also the rematch will have to be on Showtime, which is Tank Davis and PBC's company. You guys have any thoughts on this latest snag and negotiations? Yeah, you know, from a business standpoint, uh, having a rematch clause, I don't have a problem with that because for the simple reason that um, I remember a fight that that where a rematch clause is being discussed between uh, Zab Judah and uh, Casa Zoo, and uh, Casa Zoo asked for it, and Zab Judah was like, "Well, I need one. I'm going to win anyway." And then after the fight, he was begging for one. Now the problem with this the way this is going is that it's becoming a, okay, if you don't give me this rematch clause, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight you. And I think that's the part I don't like. Cause it's like, Hey, look, man, if, if he don't want, if, if Ryan Garcia doesn't want a rematch clause, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Make the fight happy. You know what I'm saying? Make it happy. So that's how I feel about it. I mean, it's not it, rematch clauses. Isn't anything new in boxing, especially if you're eight, uh, uh, a size star. But if it's putting the fight in jeopardy, man, it's like hey, at some point, man, you got to be like, look, man, I want this fight. I'll knock you out regardless. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I feel about it. First of all, I want to shout out the I'm, I'm in the comments now. I just want to shout out the people who have left comments so far. So Chanel Jackson, shout out to you. Uh, our guy Ty is in the building. Peace to you, brother. Ty right, Bizzle. He out here. What's up, sis? I thought the, the last name looked familiar. <laughs> the first name looked familiar too. Yeah, true, 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 true. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, look, I'm not a I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a promoter. But with a fight like this, one, you would think that they would not kind of like the hard things out first. You know what I mean? Like we, we knew going into it, like the PBC, the zone, Golden Boy. Al Heyman, you know, that whole thing. There were going to be things. And so you would have thought that they would have ironed this out first. And it seems like, I don't know, like Espinosa was interviewed, on the other hand, though, uh, by Chicken Talk. And he said that, you know, if this is the only thing holding it up, like that's a good thing. So I don't know what they're, you know, what to make of it. But what I do know is um, it makes sense to me, logically, that if Ryan Garcia were to win, which is the only reason there would be a need for a rematch, it should go to the network that he's on. Like, it just makes sense. So I'm my issue isn't the rematch. It's the issue at hand, which is where is go, where it would be showed. And so it doesn't make sense to me that um, they would want to still have that much, you know, control of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree um, totally with what you're saying. And it just, like I say, it baffles me that, for one, I think what we did was we allowed fighters to get way too comfortable um, in not having to prove themselves. And I think that this is what you get. You get fighters who are kind of spoiled. But on the flip side of that, what you just mentioned, there's this thing that, that started back in, I want to say the 1828 election with um, Andrew Jackson against the great compromiser, Henry Clay. 
And so Andrew Jackson, he won the election. That's where the term to the victor goes to spoil. So what he wanted to do in his cabinet, he wanted to make things different. He wanted to bring fresh people in, not just career politicians, you know, and people like that. So, and people that were favorable to his policy. And he was like one of the first people to do that, which kind of caused a little bit of cronyism. You know, it didn't have the effect that he wanted to have or impact that he wanted to have. But to the victor goes the spoils. You know what I mean? He won, so he can make the decisions that he wants to make. And I think that in this case, it's the same thing, where if you win the fight, okay, I can understand that you say that you want to rematch. Things could happen. You might get injured. You know, um, it may just not be your night. You, know, you think that it, he might be able to beat me at my worst, but I know that once I see what it is he brings to the table, he can't beat me again. I mean, that's just like once in a million type chance. So I want my get back. But you can't have it where, especially when you don't, all you bring in is your name and popularity and things like that to the table. And you need this fight to me more than Ryan Garcia or as equal as Ryan Garcia. So you can't really be asking for all of these different things that you're asking for because um, I just don't think you have the leverage to do so you know, at this moment. And the perception. To me, when I listen to everybody, they're saying that Golden Boy is the one that's most responsible for, um, they're already assuming that they're going to find a way out of the fight. If that's the case, why would you put an obstacle in front of somebody which would give them an out for the fight? Like, that don't make any sense. And then also what, what frustrates me is when I listen to different people speak on this topic and they say, well, Ryan Garcia all of this that's going on, the tank side is asking for all of these things. And then they're saying, they're still saying, well, we knew Ryan didn't want to fight. How? Like, how is that the case? It should be, if, if I run up on you, we, we, we have a situation. I run up on somebody and I want to get busy with it. Man, forget all that. You're talking all this stuff. Let's go ahead and let's get at it. Now, and previously, they've been saying that, man, I wish he would do something, you know, where we can go ahead and get busy. You know, it's time for us to get busy. But then the person who um, I run up on, they say, well, no, well, you got to go ahead and do this first. First, you got to go ahead. And they put some obstacle in front of us and we don't want to get there. It's not me. I'm not the one ducking. You the one ducking. You follow what I'm saying? And I think that that's what the situation um, that's going on here is that, um, and I don't know, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm concerned that Tank Davis might be the bully that doesn't like somebody who's so confident. If you listen to Ryan, Ryan's like, man, forget all that rematch stuff. Let's fight, coward. <laughs> like that. You follow what I'm saying? So now, I don't know. Why is he so confident? Like, he might think that he really can beat me. It's really going to be harder than I think. So I don't know. You got to keep an eye on that, out on that as well. Um, anything else you guys have on that topic? No, I just, I just hope this fight happened. Um, I mean... Whether Tank needs Ryan, I mean, that's a whole other question. But well, we'll, we'll address that. We'll address that. The question of the week, yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll address that. Um, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like I said, I feel like I'm in a twilight zone because I think it's the side that they saying is ducking. To me, it's, it's the flip side of that. Yeah, from from outside looking in, if I was Tank, man, I'd be like, bring Ryan on. You know what I'm saying? Because y'all know how I feel about Ryan. Love to do, but you know, I think he a little chinny. So. If I'm Tank and I had an attribute saying attributes, obviously it's something within Tank or his people that, that don't really believe in him as far as they, they've been keeping him from these type of fights for so long, you know? So that's what it is. 
Well, what it is 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 the fans are more confident in Tank than Tank and his people are in him. You know what I mean? And I think that that's what it is. They just gonna have to, you know, they're gonna have to man up, man. Like, let's go ahead and get busy and, and get this thing jumping off. Now, let's go ahead and go to the next one, man. It, 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 my main man right here, Shakur Stevenson, he's making his his foray, you know, into the lightweight division. What are your thoughts on him taking on the fighter that he's gonna take um, on April eighth in um, Brick City? You know this this Japanese Filipino fighter here. You think yeah. that's a good, good step up fight for him as he I, enters the one hundred thirty five pound weight class? I actually think this is a, a decent fight for his first fight at one thirty five. I believe is at one thirty five, especially considering this is like his you know fight at home, his hometown of Newark. You know, uh, and I, I and I haven't seen too much of it, uh, Yoshino, but I did see that fight where I believe he knocked out Nakatini. He stopped Nakatini, and I thought. Okay, all right. That's that's a good solid test for especially for someone who is is fighting their first fight in their third weight class, you know. But I wouldn't want you know Shakur taking too many fights like this after this one, you know. But it's a good fight to test the waters right now, and you know I'll be tuning in for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, obviously. The first choice for me would have been for him to get old bullet head out of there, um, yeah. like the WBC wanted to. Because, <laughs> but but when that didn't happen, you know, um, from a like fight fighter standpoint, I would have, I was a little bit more intrigued by the matchup against Jermaine Ortiz, um, who gave he gave Loma a run for his money, and he's ranked seventh in the WBC, but. Shakur did what he was supposed to do, you know, so he was second or third in WBC. WBC ordered him against, he was third. WBC ordered him against Cruz and the winner was going to be, I believe, the mandatory. And I think that's still going to be the case for this fight. And so when, when old Bullethead turned it down, uh, he just went down the line and everybody was saying no. And the first person said yes was, was our guy. And so um, he's, fight, he's fighting the highest ranking opponent. And so he's putting himself already in the line to fight for that WBC title. And I believe that Haney's probably going to vacate all these belts after the Loma fight and move up to 140. And so he may be a champion. He may very well be a champion in his second fight at 135. So this is the right move, 100%. Mm, yeah, so Haney, he, he's saying that I think the only person that he'll stay around for 135 for is Tank. You know what I mean? He, he wants that Tank business. But so, like you said, it, and that doesn't seem like that's likely to happen after the Loma fight. And then he also has to get past Loma as well. So more than likely, the belts will be available. Um, this is a good fight. I think that this is just a good fight, just period, for him as he make his interest in the 135 pounds. Because it's a couple of things here that's, that's playing out. He's fighting a taller guy. He's fighting a guy that's big, that's durable. Um, he, like you said, he... he Beat the mess out of Nakatani, but Nakatani could have been on his last legs because he was getting, you know, he was in some very like tough fights going into the fight that he had with Yoshini. Um, Yoshini is 5'9, 68 inch reach. He's 31 years of age. Like I say, he's very durable and he can punch too. So that's something that Shakur is going to have to, you know, get acclimated to. And then I, what I want to see in this fight with Shakur is how does he carry those, those few pounds? Does it make him just a little slightly a little bit? Um, slower or does it make him actually faster because he doesn't have to drain himself because he is moving up, you know, more and more in weight. 
And then um, also, can he get the respect of the fighters at 135? Or is he going to be one of those guys that's just going to have to exude a lot of energy in order to just keep them off of him over 12 rounds, like the latter part of the fight? Like, he just has to go just do so much. And so that's what I want to see. And then can he handle the physicality? Because this is a big difference between 130 and 135, even though it's five-pound weight class. I think those 135-pound guys, they typically, a lot of times, those are like really 140-pounders. Sometimes they're like 147-pounders, but they drop and weigh down, you know, to get to that weight. So it's going to be interesting to see. And it's a lot of talent at 135, you know, and, and I want to see how he mix, mixes it up uh, with those guys. But this is a good start. Um, the other thing that I want to say, you know, just briefly is – one thing that I'm kind of concerned with with Shakur is two things. One, his discipline, because I see him a lot. He he has the right mentality. Like out of all of the guys, he and Devin Haney, they really have the right stuff. You know what I mean? As far as that competition, that competitiveness. You know, I'm a bad MF too. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he want to let you know, and he was willing to prove it. I love that about him. But it's that discipline piece. I see him a lot of times, and I hear guys. I go to the gym at this One Planet Fitness in Alexandria. And some of those guys there, they're familiar with them. And they tell me certain stories about personally things that they know about. And I'm like, man, hopefully, you know, that won't lead to his demise. You know what I'm saying? Like little stuff like that. You know, the most disciplined guy out of all of them is Devin Haney. Um, the other thing is some of his attributes. Like when you look at guys who they just have certain gifts, like after a while, in retrospect, you look back, you'd be like, oh, okay, that's the reason why they're able to go up in weight. Like Floyd Mayweather, 72-inch arm reach. Oscar De La Hoya had like 73-inch arm reach. You know what I'm saying? Like little stuff like that with him. He doesn't have those type of attributes. Like he's very quick, skilled, and all of those type of things. But he just doesn't have, like when you look phys like physically wise, like 68-inch arm reach, you know what I mean? Things like that. And so that's, that's what I'm a little bit um, concerned with him moving forward as he takes on stiffer opposition. But that's all I got when it comes to this match. I'm even considering going out there, you know, to Brick City. I was looking the other day to see if they had some tickets available. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm highly considering going out there. It depends on who they have on the undercard. What about you guys? You think about possibly going out there to check out, you know, Shakur? I mean, that's a thought, man. It was April 8th. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely a thought. That's week after April Fool's Day. Yeah, I would like to. It's just I'm traveling the following week weekend too and that will be a lot um so i'm not sure but i would love to be there if, if if i can swing it i would love to be there for sure yeah okay very good all right oh my boy roly roly you know roly <laughs> you know getting dropped he's standing over him like uh what's that picture that famous picture with ali standing over oh. buddy after he after he uh, dropped him yeah sonny listing standing over listening like ali over listening that's crazy. Yeah, I'm looking like Sonny listening up in the <laughs> But now, uh, the first thing, so this is a two-fold question, but we'll get, it's an A and a B. So we'll, we'll get the A first. First is your thoughts. You know, the video footage came on a day or two ago of really getting dropped by Johan Ingram. Johan Ingram's a 140-pound fighter. He's 3-0 with three KOs, and the footage came out um, immediately, like right after it happened. Um, you guys have any thoughts on what you saw in that video or any thoughts in general? Yeah, yeah, I watched the, the the video. I'm not surprised by it. I think um, if it was anybody else, I mean, this is just sparring, man. You know, people get caught in sparring. People get knocked out in sparring all the time. I mean, the, the, the important thing is that, like, let's say if I was Raleigh Romero and I got caught like that doing something the way he fights, 
okay, I'm gonna get up and I'm in the next sparring session, I'm finding out a way how to not get caught that same shot. So it's really just learning from that sparring. But because it's Raleigh, man, and it's like it's almost like karma because he made a lot of his bones about uh who he sparred with, who he hurt in sparring. I did this, I did that. And I've seen his sparring sessions, you know, how he, you know, um, go after dudes and he celebrates his sparring sessions like, yeah, I beat him up and all this is that, you know. So one thing I didn't, I, I did see that I didn't like about the sparring sessions, how the trainer of the other guy jumped in the ring with jumping up and down like he won a lottery. That, I'm like, man, y'all, Y'all filming sparring, you know what I'm saying, with your sparring. And somebody got hurt in sparring, you know what I'm saying. And you up here, you know, jumping up and around like like he just won the championship title or something, you know. So uh that's how I feel about it. I think I think that part about it is is kind of classless. But then again, it's Raleigh, man. And Raleigh kind of he invites this stuff on himself, man. I, I, I sometimes I want to turn the volume up and see if he was he was in the middle of his eh! and then he got caught like pow. <laughs> But you know, hopefully he rebound and learn from this and mature. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say like, you know, I've been in the boxing gym. I've been the spectator. I've been the one in the ring. Um, never in front of a crowd like that, but you know, in front of a crowd of people watching me spar and you know, this type this is the type of thing that happens, you know. I didn't like the way, like to your point, I didn't like the way the the coach was all in the ring you know how you gonna rush the field after like the, the round went over bro um and i don't like the way that it leaks so quickly like this like sparring is supposed to be like a, a safe space so to speak and so while it is fun to watch some sparring matches um you know that, that elite with consent like i didn't like the way this one was handled to be honest with you but to your point vel um, this is really we talking about, you know, he, he trolls on social media. He builds a career on social media. Um, he talks trash to people. He really shouldn't be talking trash to like Errol Spence and Tank and like, like he was doing and so on and so forth. And um, I don't even want to call it poetic justice, but the fact that he got knocked down with something similar to what Tank hit him with, uh, it's kind of ironic a little bit, you know, but... I didn't like it, but it's a little it's a little karmic, I would say. I would agree with you on that front, Bill. Listen, man, y'all saying the same thing. I think we're all on the same page when it comes to this because I was thinking that first and foremost, I'm professional to release this footage, you know, and then the way that the trainer was jumping around was unprofessional. And it's like you said, it's nothing sacred anymore. It's like nothing that you do. Those sessions really should be closed uh, sessions, you know, and not released unless it's agreed upon by all, each party. You know what I mean? We released this particular part of the footage, but for the most part, you shouldn't do that. Um, but however, you know, it's two things that that's glaring. One, Roley hasn't learned his lesson from the tank fight. He's still coming in there reckless, you know, the same way the guy hit him basically with the same punch and he got dropped. Um, the other thing you mentioned, you know, like I was, I'm, I'm saying as well, and I probably need not say it. I just think it's divine inter intervention. And you said it best, Danny, that is karma. You know what I'm saying? The stuff that he's been talking, the trolling and just the nonsense that he's been saying, but it's, it's putting him in a good space as far as popularity. And I don't even think like anymore, I think any, any um, publicity is good publicity. How these guys look at it. You know what I mean? They may look 
crazy as I don't know what as much stuff as they talk and then they can't cash in on what it is that they're saying that it, they don't even really mind it just as long as it enables them to get the views and attention that they're looking for and possibly, you know, generate the revenue that they're looking for. So, you know, it, it, that's cool from that standpoint. But uh, the last thing I'm going to say is that um, I think that Roley well, it will go into what it is we're going to be talking about next. So I'm, I'm going to hold off on, on that comment and then I'll go into what's going to go ahead and take place. It looks like in April, possibly on the Errol Spence undercard. And that's the Alberto Pueyo versus Roley Romero fight for the WBA 140 pound championship. You guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I haven't actually even studied Alberto Puello, but based on what I'm seeing in this sparring session, if if Raleigh haven't learned anything from that one shot, man, he go be. A, I mean, he's it's interesting because he's he's talented in an awkward way, and he and he always poses trouble because he's you know awkward fighter. He's aggressive and he's talented. But once he's one of those fighters, and once you figure him out, you figure him out. You know, what I'm saying he. Ain't, He's almost like the the the, the, the new Ricardo Mayorga, you know what I'm saying? So no, nah, no, he's not, man. He's not. Yeah. It's disrespect because because what's come have the ability to be, you know, um, my main man that be burning force. Yeah, he he could do that. Like he Roley, could do that. he did do it twice. Yeah, yeah, he, he he could do that type of thing. And I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm a I'm a I'm a cut in. and I'm gonna let you finish. Only reason because I don't. You just said that you didn't get an opportunity really to see Pueyo that much. Right, right. I just want to preface it a little bit and then let you finish up. The thing about Pollo is his his knockout ratio. Like he's not a knockout puncher. To me, when when I look at Pollo, he's a 140 pound version of Hector Garcia. What those guys, those Dominican guys, do well, like what jumps off at the screen, is just fighting in general. Like if you're just fighting with them, they they got skills and they can sit there and fight with you. I just don't see like the strategy uh, once like some like they keep doing what it is they're doing a good fighter will be able to make an adjustment or a good fighter could just rev it up or a good a better fighter could just have an attribute that can take those guys out if you have that then you'll be in good shape against uh alberto pollo type fighter but he's good like if you're just fighting with him you know he, he's gonna be tough to beat um he, he leaves himself open a little bit you know um and he beat here's the thing this is what PBC is doing, and I, I don't. Maybe I shouldn't be giving up the you know game on them, <laughs> but they have a triangle of what the, I think what they were going to do with Pueyo. Pueyo may have been who they were going to have tank face at 140 to get another belt because <laughs> who Pueyo beat was the same guy Mario Barrios beat in order to get his interim title for Tank to go up to 140 pounds, 140 pounds to beat. So Pueyo beat him. And the guy is like nine and oh, well, he was like nine and one because he lost to Barrios. And then he ended up fighting him. He won a, a majority decision against that guy and won the belt. So now I think that the way PBC is looking at Roley, he's to me, he's the weakest of the champions. Obviously, when you got Regis there, Josh there, he's the weakest one. And I think they were lining him up maybe for a potential tank fight. But now what, what do we do with Roley? Because we mess around and let Roley fight the wrong person. He's going to end up getting beat. So let's go ahead and put him against Pueyo 
And then whoever wins that, that might be another opportunity for Tank to go and fight that person for that belt. Once again, you know, I think that they're just going to end up fooling the public just like that um, and give you that option. And you know what people are going to buy into? Oh, man, he has a WBA belt. So, you know what I mean? So they already lining you up. It's just, like I say, it's just, it's, it's a slow punch. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to weave and counter. Um, but but be on the lookout for that. That's what they they, they lining you up for. But again, he's a good fighter. Um, I think that out of all of the guys that are available for Roley with his style, he, he could possibly get caught with something by Roley. But I wouldn't count on it because I just think that anybody, that guy who's 3-0 and with three KOs, <laughs> I think that Roley is really that level type fighter in terms of his experience. When you look at his resume, he hasn't really beaten anybody um, on his resume, any type of, of guy who's a world-class guy. And I think Puello's a world-class guy that he's going to be able to get Roley up out of there. So I would anticipate in this one that he's either going to get Roley out late or he's going to just easily like be photo Roley. And eventually he's going to just like, um, just frustrate him so much because he's just not going to know what to do. He's not going to have that answer and be able to make that adjustment that's necessary in order to beat Poyo. So that's how I look at it. Um, but what say you? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So just describing the style, you know what I'm saying? Then you're talking about a, you know, a guy that's at 140. Uh, I'm not sure that, that I, I see him stopping really. And I'm, and I haven't seen him, but, which from what you're telling me and what I what I sense is that he's gonna pose a lot of trouble because he's a bigger guy and it's gonna be a question of can Roley hurt him? And sometimes Roley is the type of guy he always wants to hurt you, and when he can't hurt you, I think he's gonna he falls apart. He seems to be that type of guy, and I think Puello, you know, said who, who it's gonna be a bigger, you know, tough guy, you know, saying probably experienced, you know, saying been in there. Uh, he's probably one of those guys that um, may, may not. You know, be upper echelon or someone you know about, but spend his time in the gym, put his work in. So that's he's, he's obviously going to be some some trouble for Roley. So, so I, I look forward. I'll tune in just because Roley, and it's always a possibility of him getting humbled. So, what you say, uh, Danny? Before you answer that, Bill, I mean, uh, Danny, Bill, if, if if you had Hector Garcia, if he was one hundred and forty pounds, just picture Hector Garcia at one hundred and forty pounds. He's about five. A five ten, like that style. Do you think that style beats Roley? It's gonna pose him a little trouble. Yeah, yeah. They the same to me. It's the same because they don't really have that pop in their punches, but they they bang with you, and they're good. Like they, you know, he'll be in there, but you know, what I'm saying like somebody who got like a little bit of pop on the punches, they will be trouble for a player. But my bad, Dan. No, you cool. Um, just, I mean, to speak on attributes, I start out with that. You know, even though he's not a known knockout artist, Pueyo, um, he's a southpaw, and he has, I believe, a three-inch reach advantage, which uh, Roley, he's looked, he looked okay in spots in that Tank fight, but that was more so because Tank didn't mind getting hit by him. Um, but his most impressive unquestionable win was against, I'm sorry for the disrespect if he watching, but Anthony, can you dig it? You feel me? And so 
to me, that is... I'm confused as to how he even got this shot. So it got to be what you were saying, Will, because, you know, I'm looking at the rankings and on on Box Live, they have a top 15. I don't even see him at top 15 for lightweight, which is the his actual weight class. So how he got to be top seven at a division that he never fully fought at, um, how he managed to skip six other people to get the fight, you know what I mean? Like, it's got to be something bigger at play that involves him because there's no way to reasonably expect he's going to, even if he somehow wins his fight, there's no way, I don't expect he's going to keep that belt long. I don't expect him to win, you know, because he, yeah, they, 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 were you finished, Danny? I'm sorry. No, I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Yeah, see that? And that, that goes into the issues with boxing is that they have to, if they're really going to, create something that's going to be sustainable then again i can't because i listen to these guys talk and you know like the bloggers and things like that and these are the ones who's supposed to be the most reputable like they really just you know go with the wind and, and they go with storylines and they don't really have any substance or they don't have any logic behind what it is that they're saying but you just have sheep that follow those people who are just spewing that nonsense so I'm saying if people are willing to listen to that and they support that, then they'll support pretty much anything that you market to them. And so I don't know if they even necessarily have to clean things up, but if things are going to be like the way it should be, and I think that things will flourish, it's just it's just when you have like boxing in the hands of just like three or four promoters, then it's they just going to do what's in the best interest of them so they can keep fattening their pockets. And it's not, they don't even really care what, product that they put out there is just what can I like sell to the public that they are willing to accept where I can go ahead and generate revenue and keep my fighters records unblemished as much as possible to keep them more marketable. So that's the end result or, or, or their, that's their objective as opposed to creating a system where you align the best fighters fighting the best fighters. And then those people truly are the ones who fans can support and who can really move boxing in the right direction it's just like this stuff is so convoluted because of what you're saying how is really getting all these opportunities like that's the wba world champion it's like <laughs> the wba uh wood champion today <laughs> how many people can you name that's better than roley at 140 he had he hasn't had a fight at 140. you know what i'm saying so exactly. that's yeah, it just it's, it baffles me um, about that. Now he ain't better guys, than he ain't better than Broner at one forty. <laughs> no, nah, I wouldn't put him above Broner at one forty. That's saying a lot. That's saying a lot, you know. But uh, let's go ahead because I don't want to keep you fellas, you know, too much longer. My question of the week, man, and we're gonna hop back to this. Who do you think needs this fight right here more? Um, you know, with the negotiations, the way things are going and whatnot. You know, it's looking like it's a possible chance. Now, it could be that they're creating a buzz, and then once the Super Bowl weekend hits, then we get that major announcement where all the eyes on this, and then they can really – the promotion can take off. You know, you just never know with these guys. But if, if it's what it is, what they're saying, as far as this little snag, who do you think actually needs to fight more um, out of these two? That's kind of a hard question because when you talk about it, are you talking status or business-wise? Because business-wise if – the, If the fight doesn't happen – Right, right. If the fight doesn't happen moving forward, who would need that fight more, Ryan or Tank? 
I would say Ryan because Ryan is the one that doesn't have a title and probably I don't think he's ever won a title, a world title. You know, as far as money, I mean, they're probably the biggest fight for both of them. And plus, if this fight doesn't happen, I can see it, it really depends on their mindset and who they want to fight if this fight doesn't come through. Either one of them can fight Devin Haney. Either one of them can go to 140 and fight uh, a pro grade. Uh, we know, that's going to be hard to make, but a pro grade. All these guys at 140, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Gary uh, Russell at 140. All these guys, they can, they can still fight. Um, Shakur is at 135, so Tank could fight him if he wanted to. Tank could fight Devin Haney. So it's like there's options, but as far as which fight would generate the most money is this fight right here. But it's not like this is a super fight or anything else. It's really just a popularity type of fight. Uh, so at least with, with Tank, even though his, re- his resume is poor, at least he does have titles on his resume. Ryan really doesn't, you know what I'm saying? And Ryan is, it hates me to say it because Ryan is very, very supremely talented, you know what I'm saying? And I think he could do a lot better. So if this fight doesn't come through, I think it's there are options for both of them. But if it, they should, this fight should take place. Hey, that, that, can I give you mine? I, I was going to ask if you wanted to go. Go ahead. You was in that line. No, only, only, go ahead. No, only reason I'm saying this is because the, the things that you're alluding to, they haven't done it. You know what I mean? Like the fights that you're saying that are out there, he, he for instance, Tank has been kind of reluctant on doing it. And people will say, Ryan is. I beg to differ because of the fact that at that moment, Ryan was legitimately trying to fight. And people will say in retrospect that, that oh, oh, he's not that big of a deal. But nobody really wanted to mess with Lenaris. Mm-hmm. And he wanted Lenaris. He just couldn't get Lenaris, so he ended up taking Luke Campbell. And again, at that particular time, at where all of those guys were, that was probably the biggest step up that anybody took at that particular time. And so he was willing to do that. And so I haven't seen as far at that particular moment, that was dangerous. I've never seen Tank really in a fight where I'm like, oh man, that's going to be, you know, I'm always like, oh yeah, I see why, you know, he picked that particular opponent. So why now would he like take that approach and people going to say, well, you don't have a Mayweather and that type of stuff, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. Well, why are you putting the, the the obstacle in place for this fight not to happen? If you're that confident, then you will go in there like, damn, all that, man. This dude can't beat me. I'm going to go ahead and, and smoke him, and then I'm going to go ahead and get to these other dudes. He doesn't take that approach. He's so apprehensive and so not even – like he's above the fray a lot of times where, you know – But so he is right. He doesn't have to do anything. The only thing he has to tell you is, oh, yeah, uh, Devin and, and Sparring, I cracked him. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go break him in the real ring. Well, but, yeah, but, <laughs> but so is Ryan. But so is Ryan because well, Ryan Ryan was a mandatory for Devin Haney. But Devin, but check this out. So, but who did Ryan want to fight instead of Devin Haney? If I was Ryan, I would I would have fought Devin Haney. I'm asking you, sir. Who did he want to fight instead of Devin Haney? What Tank Davis? So if you told me that Ryan Garcia wanted to fight. Like somebody who wasn't like um, dangerous, then I would be like, okay, who's the more, more right now? 
who's the more popular fighter, Tank Davis or Devin Hay? It would be Tank Davis. Tank Davis. Who's the yeah. person who, like, if you beat them, like, that would be more, like, monumental this day and age. to Devin Haney. No, to the majority of the boxing world. To me, boxing world, Boxing's Devin not, Haney. Not you. To the, to the boxing Let me ask Danny then. Danny, <laughs> if, if, if Ryan Garcia was to beat Tank Davis, this huge event, he ends up doing what he said. He knocks Tank Davis out. Would that be bigger for him to do that? According to the boxing, the masses, like the people who like really want to like just be the casual fans, boxing fans, which one would be more monumental? It would be it would be Tank. Obviously. So for him to say that he wants to fight Tank, you acting like these guys are really on the same level. They're not. Really, Tank's is supposed to be way up here, so he doesn't have as much time. Ryan is already perceived as the person who's um, like calling people out, but then again, he's not really going to fight them. Like, they expect him to do that. So if he yeah, does it now, then what difference will it make now than before? But Ryan still has never won one world title in his entire career. It doesn't seem like he cares about that. And I don't <laughs> think that... But here, 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 let me hear me out, sir. So... If you got one person who the perception of them is that that's what they do. You got this other person whose perception is that not it's not that, and he's more solid. Okay, if he doesn't fight Ryan, then who can he fight? Devin Haney. So you think that he will be wanting to fight Devin Haney? He said it, so I'm gonna hold to his words. Let's see. That's the reason why I say that that's Ryan Garcia and, and um. um Oscar De La Hoya's trump card is because, okay, I'll go ahead, and if he mess around and do what he said that he's going to do, he said, man, if this, this coward don't fight, then I'm going to go ahead and fight Regis. If he does that, what can you say? Yeah, and Regis is a champion. And he's 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 dangerous. He's so dangerous. If, you know, what if Tank go and he – who, who is – I don't see it. Like, I don't see Tank going after those guys because all he's telling you when, when Devin and after all of this time that they've been talking – all they end up doing is Tank talk about how much he has over them and all of that type of stuff. So it gets into that type of conversation. It's other stumbling blocks that they put in front of each other, which not Devin, it's more so Tank, which creates this cold war. When we're talking about all of these other type of things, we compete right, over right, everything right. else yeah. with the exception of you saying let's fight. So let me rephrase my answer. I'll say Tank doesn't need this fight if he takes on someone monumental someone like a Devin Haney someone like a Shakur Stevenson someone like a Tia even I, I accept Tia Fimo Lopez you know what I'm saying someone like that if he takes on that person and he, he goes after that fight he doesn't need Ryan because those guys can be worth just as much or more but if he decides not to yeah he needs Ryan because yes. that one but that's the scary part because he get that one win over Ryan and he gonna think he's above everybody and not want to fight he don't continue to not want to fight everybody his people will. That's that's what I'm saying. That's why this is a perfect storm for him to or the, if he fights Ryan, because then he got he gonna buy a little bit more time to fight Quayle next. You understand what I'm saying? Because they setting you up with that love triangle. You know what I'm saying? So, but that's all I got, Daddy, for now. You know what I mean? Unless I think of some more. Love triangle. <laughs> See, the thing is, like when you brought up the belts, Vel, I could if you take somebody of Tank's caliber, but isn't Tank. And hasn't said the things Tank said, you know, that's one thing. But this is the same guy who was calling Devin Haney email champ, paper champ, all this stuff, Xerox champ or whatever. And then Dave and then Haney becomes undisputed. And then he's like, Oh, the belts don't matter. 
I got this, I got this, so on and so forth. And he, you know, and somebody who has fought for, yeah, he went at 130 like five years ago. But since then, you know, he's fought like secondary champs and so on and so forth. So to me, based on the what based on Tank's words, I it would be unfair for me to use the belt argument against Garcia because that's not something that Tank champions, pun intended. Like he don't champion the belts. So to me, that 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 argument goes in the favor of Garcia. You know, you have Tank who's been cherry picking for years now, for lack of a better word. Uh, it's already been presented to make it seem like he's the one that's holding up the fight with the unilateral rematch clause on and so forth. And there are more fighters in the PBC stable, but none have the reward that, that Ryan Garcia does. Like, it's the same thing. Like, if you fight Frank Martin... You got Ryan Garcia and Frank Martin. Like, and to me, Frank Martin is the only other acceptable person he could fight in the PBC stable where he wouldn't get like completely roasted. But that's uh that's a high risk, low reward fight right there. Um I will say that Garcia, if it don't work out, like he'd probably be stuck fighting. Well, they they said pro gray. I don't know if I, if that's a bluff or what, but it would be like Jojo Diaz or something like that. Uh you know what I mean? But uh so yeah, we'll see. But my my answer is is Tank needs to fight more to me. Yeah, yeah, that that might be a bluff though. You know, it's, it's, man, if he mess around and do that, fight Regis. But that's the thing about you know Ryan is that he's that. Um, what was that old story back in the day when you had the uh, the boy who cried wolf? You know, what I'm saying? Like he always he he does that. Remember before it's like okay, I'm about to fight Tank, but then he talk about he gonna fight Manny Pacquiao. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> See, he this is the thing him. about Ryan, right? I think Ryan, you know, we gotta keep in mind he's like 22, 23 or something like that, and then he gets all this public attention already. So he the type that even if you just like watch him interview, he'll get like mad excited, mad hype in the interview. He'll probably like he he's supposed to stay in this pocket, right? And he'll say something that's like left field and I think that just comes with his age and, and that type of deal and so like yeah it don't sound great but I, I have to keep in mind that this is social media era and he's like 21 22 23 yeah at the time yeah I, I get it but in this situation I don't know he sounds so convincing like when he talked to stuff about saying like sign the contract coward oh he sound good I don't need no tune up you know what I mean he sound good I ain't gonna hold you but he's, he's still a young dude at the end of the day yeah, I don't know how, how how many minutes he practices in the mirror. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> he sells it well. I, I'll he, say this: he sounds more serious than Tank do. Yeah, he does. Because uh, the last thing I say in regards to <laughs> it, 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 it's this: is because we play a drinking game. Nah, seriously, seriously, is that when you think about it? Okay, Tank looks and he's like, "Is is he must be on something?" You know what I'm saying? Like he say stuff like that. He also. Um, is putting this little obstacle in, in front of the fight. And you would think, like I say, if you that confident, like the way way people are saying it, like how Vale feels, but Vale, his sentiments are shared by the, the, the masses, majority of the people that you talk to, that this is a foregone uh, far conclusion that Tank Davis is going to annihilate Ryan Garcia at some point. So you would think that if... If I'm that confident in knowing that this guy can't mess with me, this social media darling, that's what you are. You like really basically Jake Paul to me. Then you wouldn't put these obstacles in front 
in order to get the fight to happen. You know, so that's that's all I got, man. And like I said, that was my last statement. But the only reason I say keep saying that is because you keep mentioning, <laughs> you know. But now, Pitbull, let's go. Ahead, <laughs> let's go ahead and get back into you know the seven. And so also what we learned this week is that Anthony Joshua he officially appoints Derrick James as his new trainer for the the Franklin fight. Um, do you guys think that that was a good choice? On the surface, it's a, it's, a, it's a great choice because Derrick James, when you look at, you know, who Derrick James uh, trained, which is uh, Errol Spence, uh, Jamel Charlo, and Frank Martin, they have some of the attributes that I think Anthony Joshua needs. But here's the kicker. I don't think – I don't think what they have, I don't think Anthony Joshua could gain – I mean, I'm not sure if he can gain those from Derrick James because what they have, they're true fighters. I think Anthony Joshua is more so like an athlete that can box. You know what I'm saying? He's like someone who, when he's 20, when he was 20, he probably could get high numbers, you know what I'm saying, in the NFL Columbine. You know what I'm saying? He, he probably had those bench press numbers, that 40 yard dash. He probably did all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Very athletic. But mentally, so sometimes it goes back to nature versus nurture, you know. Some people you can make fighters, some people are just born. I think the fighters that Derrick James have, I think they're born. It's something within them, and Derrick James just fine-tune them. So I think Derrick James Derrick James challenge will be to find those attributes of Anthony Joshua and bring them out more. It may not be, you know, the same attributes that you know, Spence and Charlo has, but bring out some of the, some of those attributes he, he does have and expound on them. Kind of like what um, Emmanuel Stewart did to Vladimir Klitschko, you know, Klitschko doesn't necessarily fight like Lance Lewis, but um, Stewart kind of built upon what Vladimir Klitschko had. So hopefully that's what it's going to be the case here. Um, but if, if it's just on a surface, if you just select a trainer Derrick James be number one because I mean he's the number one trainer today in my opinion. So that's how I feel about it. What I'm waiting to see is when he gonna appoint a new barber because you know what I mean like the fade gradient like the gradient is cool you feel me but like the the hairline bro the hairline is still missing like I just don't understand as a black man why why he don't get the hairline right but hey um, they don't have the same barber shops in Britain man. Look, he go. He finna be in Texas now training. Look, I will. I'll say this: if he if he come to the ring with a shag, he gonna get a fifth round stoppage on my guy Franklin. Cause I'm gonna be like, okay, he he got that dog in him now. He got the shag. You feel me? If you come out the south side, the realist shout out Will. I'm gonna be like, okay, <laughs> this Derrick James was the move. You feel me? But I mean, to to your point, Vel, all jokes aside. I think he James is going to maximize his talent based on where he is now, but I don't know if there's a ton of time for them to mesh. You know, we're, we're getting this February 9th. You know, I don't know how many weeks out of it, how many weeks away we are from April 1st, but you know, there's not a lot of time to really, really mesh. And the fact that this is his third trainer in three years, it makes me wonder: like, is there something deeper? that he could explore that he's kind of using where he's he's kind of using new trainers different trainers as kind of like a bandage instead of whatever it is that's inside 
I don't know what it is, but the fact that you know a fighter of his caliber has switched trainers for a third time in three years, I don't know, man. It just makes me wonder. Man, that's what what, what a lot of guys do. You know, um, De La Hoya used to do that. He'd take a loss, you know, and then he'd find somebody else to work with. He worked with a whole bunch of different people. Um, including uh, Floyd Mayweather, Roach, um, Goosen. He worked with a whole bunch of people after he was taking those L's. Um, but I think it's more so to just learn different stuff, you know, from different people and not just get the same repetitive thing over and over. And it's also um, that their ego, you know what I'm saying, that they just can't accept the fact that they lost to the better person, you know, on those particular nights. But I think that in the, in, when it's all said and done, that this is a good situation for Joshua um, because with what you were saying, Vil, is that's what a good trainer does. Like he's a, he would be a trainer slash teacher where, you know, I know me as an educator, I can't teach every child the same way. You know, I can't, when I work with adults, I can't work with this adult the same way because the needs are different. You know, this person may be experienced, so they don't need this particular part of this workshop. I'll go ahead and feed them this information or information that's going to help them grow in the areas that they need that grow. But at the end of the day, what I think that he's going to get out, if he doesn't get anything else, and I think that Derrick James is that type of guy. He understands different personalities. He knows Spence personality from Charlo. He talks to him and a lot of times he talks about we talk about things that have nothing to do with boxing. And so that's to get to know the person, like what their trigger points are, like what, you know, motivates them. Like, how can I get them, you know, to do certain things at certain moments? And so he's learning all of those things about that person. And then he generally cares about the person, too. And so he get, he can maximize what he can get out of. them. So with that being said, he's going to get that. But at the end of the day, if he can't get anything else, it's certain attributes and certain things that he's going to be add, adding to Anthony Josh. One is going to be the toughness mentally, physically, like the dog. Like he's going to be able to see those dudes firsthand, some of the to the extent in which they go in order to be at the level that they're at, that he probably stopped or. Um, they be like, they may tell him, like he may stop doing something. Like, man, come on, man, you you gonna stop? And so then he that'll push him to go that extra mile that he wasn't going before. And so little stuff like that. So he have a nice little edge to him, and he'll know certain little nuances of things that he just didn't, couldn't see. You don't see that out there in the UK um, quite often. And then it's just gonna be, and this may seem funny, but it's, I'm being dead honest. It's gonna be a level of swagger that he'll be able to um, rub off on him. And when you mentioned Lennox Lewis, Lennox Lewis used to get that from the Jamaicans. You you saw Lennox Lewis, he was way more confident and more reserved. And he, you can tell, like, he started even talking a little bit like that, where he was using that Rastafarian language. And so you knew that he kind of like start to learn more about himself and he started to be more confident. If AJ can gather those things with the physical attributes that he has, the athletic ability that he has, he'll be a monster. And he'll be tough to beat against a lot of those other heavyweights or he would be um, – he would just be somebody tough to him that you wouldn't want to have to deal with. And so hopefully he'll be able to get those things, and I think that he will. I think it was a, it's a good mix, and I think it's a good match. The only 
drawback that I see is just one thing is who is he going to be really sparring with? Because they don't really have heavyweights, you know, that many, at least not world-class heavyweights, unless he's bringing some into camp or something like that. Or they just something that Derrick James hasn't really worked with heavyweights that I'm familiar with, you know what I mean? But he could have some, like some younger heavyweights that he's been working with. But that's all I got on that. You got anything else on this topic as far as uh, Anthony Joshua you know, teaming up with Derrick James? Yeah, I thought about the sparring thing too, but I'm I'm guessing that he's going to he probably has a network that he's gonna bring in. Like the fact that he already bought him on, like I, I believe that James already has a game plan for it. So I thought about it, but I'm gonna let them figure it out. Ain't my camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he went with the um with Garcia, they really didn't have heavyweights either. So right. but I can see like some things that he learned from from Garcia. So we'll see if he, he's able to add more with Derek James. And then um, the second to the last topic, I believe, is going to be my main man, Gilberto Ramirez. <laughs> yeah, what they do say, he lost nah, that old. Nah, he lost the old man. I, you know, and it's, it's sad. It is a sad day. You know what I mean? But he's going to be back in action. I think this is going to be the day after St. Patrick's Day on a Saturday against uh, Gabe Rosado. You know, the tough warrior out of Philadelphia. You know, that's uh, going to be interesting to see how much Gabe has left. But what do you, what are your thoughts on Gilberto Ramirez facing Gabe Rosado? You know, I know he just took a tough loss. You know, you think that this is a good bounce back fight for him? Man, no, nah, man. I think this is. Come on, man. I, I understand that you need a confidence builder, but Gabe Rosado is like what a middleweight at best. You know what I'm saying? fought at 154 160 he's always you know that guy he's a tough guy but sometimes he be getting his head beat in and Ramirez is a huge 175 pounder and it's like man I don't who signed off on this man I might not even want to watch this man because it's just I don't want to see Gabe Rosado get his head beat in mode you know what I'm saying I don't want to see that you know uh he's a tough guy he don't deserve and when we know he'll fight anybody, we know he's a tough guy. We know he, you know, he's one of those guys that's going to give his all. But I don't think he deserved really to be treated this way. You know, if you're going to put him in with somebody, put him in with, with this is not even, this is not even, uh, if you're going to put him in with somebody, put him in there with, with uh, uh, Demetrius Andrade or something like that. You know, you know, put him in there with Gilberto Ramirez. You know, that's just brutal. I mean, like, who did he tick off, man? What did he do to anybody to deserve this? Golden boy. And, and before you get started, what up, Chicken Talk? Man, that was a good interview that you had, you know, the other day. I see Chicken Talk in a... In a yeah, um, what up, though? Yeah, Detroit. What up, though? What's good with you? But, um, yeah, man, I, I mostly agree. I mean, look, Rosado, he on a three-fight losing streak. Lost to Munguia at 160. Got completely outboxed by Shane Mosley Jr. I think Shane Mosley's like 18-4. And then... Uh, Ali Atmadov, you know, he outboxed him as well. I think he won that fight. It was like a 10-rounder. I think he won at least nine rounds on all the cards. So you're bringing up a guy who fought, like you said, at 154, 160, 168 at the most. He's 26-16-1. And you bringing him up? Like, I don't like this fight for either fighter. You know what I mean? Like, Rosado's going to get hurt. Um... And I don't even know how much confidence you actually build off of beating somebody like that who's 
who may not be confident themselves coming off a three-fight losing streak, you know. Um, and I, I'll say this. Like, I I don't like the fight, but at the same time, Rosado could have said no. You know, and somehow he still, he, he's, he always stays with the job. He stayed with the fight. I hate it for him, but, you know, he, he could have said no. You know what I mean? So we'll have to talk about it. So I'm going to talk about it, you know, when it happens. But I'm not excited to talk about it. I'm not excited to see it. It's, it's going to be one of those fights that made me guilty as a boxing fan to watch. No, Rosado, he's he's a consummate professional. He knows how to defend himself. He knows what he needs to do in order to survive as long as he needs to survive. He, he I'll give him that. It's just like you said, from an optic standpoint, the last fighter, whatever that guy name was, at I think that was at 168. I could be wrong, but he was a big 160 eight pound fighter and Gabe he dwarfed Gabe and he was just too big and too strong for Gabe so you just imagine what that's going to be like on March 18th when he faced against Ramirez I just take it that Golden Boy just doesn't have any in-house guys for Ramirez and maybe Rosado said that you know I step in and I want to get my taste at 175 pounds I always want to fight at that weight limit to see how I can handle it Maybe it's something like that. But you got a guy who was at 154, you know, less than like seven, eight years ago that's fighting a legitimate cruiserweight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes he'd be weighing that much like after the weigh-in. And so it's, it's a recipe for disaster in terms of if you're talking about entertainment. And so it's going to be one of those fights that he'll probably get him out of there after about five rounds. And, you know, hopefully Gabe will, will call it a day, you know, put his boxing gloves up on the wall and, um, you know, and we'll see what Gilberto does from here. Like you say, it's just, what is this doing for Gilberto? It's just really a waste of time. You know, hopefully after this one's over with, maybe this is one of those fights where he just want to like, get busy, you know, stay busy or whatever. And then he has something lined up like real soon, like two months later, he can go off into that fight. Hopefully for his sake, because this like, And then the last uh, thing, as we, you know, start to wrap things up, you got the fight this weekend. You got uh, Vargas versus Foster. You guys have any final thoughts on that bout that's going to take place? I want to say it's on yeah, Showtime. Yeah, I, I, I like Vargas' attitude, you know, um, looking at Foster as an as a, a obstacle to where he needs to go. Like, I got to go through this guy. And not the other way around, like he's, you know, um, not looking at him with just some other opponent. But I still think that Foster is going to give him a run for his money. That I think the size would be too much because of the 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 length advantage that Vargas and the size advantage that Vargas used to have over his opponents and how he fights that he uses that distance very very well to his advantage. And I think that it comes to a point where uh, that it won't, it's no longer an advantage. Now he's still going to have a uh, boxing ability, you know, um, but I, th- I think that Foster's size and what Foster can do as far as fighting off the ropes. Um, and and it, it'll come down to can Vargas really get Foster's attention with his punches uh, because of course Foster is hittable, but you know, um, we're talking guys that, are lightweights or, or light, light welterweights, you know what I'm saying? And, and Vargas, you know, he wasn't even a, even though he's a tall, long guy, he wasn't even a big, like 130, 30 pounder, really. So 
that's gonna be the story. Just like you said, Will, it's the difference between 130 and 135, man. When you look at like how their their body structure and everything, and I think that's gonna come into play. Did y'all see? Did y'all see um, them at the face when they did the face off at the presser? No, mm-hmm. I didn't. See, I, I, they got me questioning the tail of the tape because they have they have Vargas listed at like five seven and a half and Foster like five eight and a half. Vargas looked about six feet tall at that at that at that face off. I don't know what the reach is looking like, but Vargas looked a lot tall. He didn't look a lot, a lot taller, but he looked. I thought he was coming a little bit shorter, and he looked like he had like a good two, three inches on, on Foster. Well, there's something to be said there because in some way, in some places I've looked, they have him listed as 5'10", which is weird. So. That's probably more accurate because, you know, because when, when we talked about it uh, last week, you know, I was thinking, and I still think to an extent, like the way that Foster is built, I do think he's still going to, just off the strength of that, he's going to give Vargas some problems. Um but I do think I, I still think you know after looking at the, the face off after you know kind of reevaluating what I what I have seen from from each fighter, I do think that you know uh, that could give him problems early. But by the middle rounds, uh, Vargas will have gotten a good idea how that man is at distance, and I think he's slick enough to 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 get inside with Foster if he needs to. Um, again, I don't know what the re- what the actual reach is at this point. Um, but if I think he'll be able to find his range, and I still think he's gonna uh, win by unanimous. He had it too. I just, you know, I always go with the world class fighter, the champion over guys who really haven't fought at that level. Vargas, um, the interesting thing about him is that I think you, 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 the way the camera is, like sometimes they don't show like in press conferences and things like that. So the reason why it's different, he's actually five, seven and a half, but. Um, in press conferences, he likes to wear those. I'm gonna get you sucker. Um, those those heels. Play the music dude. with the fish in it. With the fish in it, floating around in it. Right. Wearing, but, um, wearing them wearing them Prince boots. Yeah, but nah. To be honest with you, man, nah. He's he's five ten. Cause you remember when he fought Max Sio, He was well way taller. He's just a skinny guy, and so adding that weight is probably gonna benefit him um to a certain degree i just i just like his his skill like it's it's an offbeat unorthodox boxing style that he has and i think nacho bernstein does a really good job with him um to get off the stuff that he needs to get off and stay away from trouble but i just don't think foster from what i've seen i just don't see world-class stuff now it could be a case you know bill you mentioned the size of him coming down in weight and i remember um her show Urshelt was fighting against a guy. One of his losses before Valdez, he was fighting a guy who came all the way down, who started his career at 147, but then he dropped down eventually to 130. And so he was fighting an opponent like that. He didn't have the best record in the world, but he was just way too big and way too strong for Urshelt. That quite possibly could be the case. I just think that overall with the skills, I think Vargas has better skills and he's done it you know on a consistent basis he's a two-time world champion and i don't see i think somebody else in that division might be able to, to do some work against him but i just don't see foster being that guy so I, I definitely will have ray vargas as a winner this upcoming saturday on this showtime main event um by 12 round unanimous decision 
Now, as we wrap things up, you guys have anything you know that you you know want to want to say you know before we wrap wrap this one up? Yeah, I think to the listeners out there, you know, uh, we do this. Uh, of course, we do this because of our leisure, but we do it because you you guys keep us going. Also, so uh, peace to you guys. For sure, um, you know, definitely catch the pod. The the pod at the actual pod drops on Tuesdays on the Underdog Podcast Network at underdogpodcast.com. I think it's S at the end of the podcast, but check us out there. Apple, Spotify. Uh, appreciate y'all rocking with us. You know what I mean? Like, uh, especially over the past year, you know, with all the new listeners and stuff like that. And so uh, we're, we've been adding more, more wrinkles to the game because of y'all. You know what I mean? And so uh, appreciate y'all rocking with us. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I try to, um, you know, as much as possible, get that new information, you know, via YouTube. But also, you know, like I say, like Danny was saying, that on that podcast that we do, you know, on all platforms, that we, we anything that happened over the weekend, any events, we definitely recapping those, we making predictions. And so you get the whole shebang on that podcast. But, you know, it's always fun, man. I like to do the Chop It Up Thursday because typically you have a lot of great news um, or a lot of news cycle events or newsworthy events that take place during the week. And so this is what I do. This is what we do. This is how we began to know each other and got really cool with one another talking this thing called the sport of boxing. And I don't see me stopping anytime soon. Um, So on that note, hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we did. We out. Peace. Peace. Yeah, you made your first your, your first uh chop it up Thursday, huh? No, I've done it well I've done one before. I, I well it probably wasn't I know I've done one with a few with Ty. Maybe one one or two with Ty. Gotcha.